How's everybody doing today? Good. It's great to see everybody here today, and I am thoroughly excited for today because today we are setting up for next Sunday because next Sunday is Baptism Sunday, and, and Baptism Sunday at the Life Center is the best Sunday bar none. They're amazing, and you, if you've never been with us on one of those, you definitely owe it to yourself to be here. We celebrate the fact that people have committed to Christ, and you know what our, our goal is here, right? You know what we do here. We're here to reach people that don't know much about Christ and people that have been wounded by religion, and we do it very simply. We're here to introduce people to Christ. We want people to know Christ. We want people to, to find freedom, to discover their purpose, and to make a difference in their life. So it's very simple what we do here, and all we're about is helping people find Christ. And so what, the reason why we celebrate Baptism Sundays the way we do is because that is like the public statement of someone making that commitment to follow Christ. And so we celebrate that. We, we, we rejoice in what it means. And, and so today I'm going to, if you don't know much about baptism, I'm going to help you understand a little bit about it so that you can have a good understanding. If, if maybe, maybe you were baptized when you were an infant, uh, maybe you were baptized when you were young and, and your life went far from God for a while, and maybe you're reevaluating all of that, it's all about a clean slate. It's all about starting fresh. It's all about becoming a new creature in Christ, a new creation. And so we're going to unpack that today. I don't want, to, I wanted to dispel a couple of, of misconceptions about baptism. It is not about joining a church because you're baptized here does not make you a member of the church here. And it's not about a tradition. This isn't a tradition that we practice because, you know, some dude 500 years ago did it. No, we do this because Jesus laid a model out for us. And so we're going to, we're going to make this very simple to follow. I have three points today. Three points. Very easy. So if you nod in between and you miss point two, you can just elbow your neighbor and say, what was point two? I missed it. Very easy. So you ready to go? Three people are ready to go. All right, here we go. Baptism is really a significant part of your journey with Christ. In fact, it is what Jesus commanded when he was about to leave, he gathered his disciples together and he said, listen, I need you to do something. I need you to go everywhere you can and I need you to make disciples. I need you to baptize people. I need you to introduce people to who I am and I need you to baptize people. And that was our commission. That is what we're called to do. So there's three things we're going to look at today. The first one is what is baptism? The first answer to that question is it is an act of obedience. So let's look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Entering into the middle of a story here. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Jesus came to be baptized. Jesus, they had a little exchange there, and then Jesus answered John and said, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. The reason why Jesus came to John to be baptized is because this was the next step for him to move into his earthly ministry. He followed the same format that he laid out for you and I to follow. He went to the water. He went through the baptism process, symbolic of the old man dying and the new man being raised to life. And so he went through that process. And when Jesus set that example for us, it was to fulfill 
righteousness. It was to open a door for you and I to have our sins washed away and remitted and removed, for us to live a life of righteousness that you and I could not live on our own, but through the gift of God, we can achieve that. And so when Jesus, this is his first thing before he ever did anything on his public earthly ministry, he went down to the water and was baptized. And the moment that he was baptized and came up out of the water, an amazing story happens. The Bible says the Holy Spirit ascended on him like a dove. And there was a voice from heaven where God said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. There was a huge symbolic moment, a huge happening spiritually that the, the world at that moment, all that were gathered there that, that day were able to witness this account as Jesus went through this process. So he laid out the steps. He laid out the plan. And you'll see as we talk about this today, the beauty of the, of the Jesus that we serve is that he understands who we are and what we struggle with. The beauty of the God that we serve is he understands our struggles, our weakness, our temptation, our trials, our pressure. And he said, I'm not going to just make this impossible mission for people to try to be good enough to earn my grace. Instead, I'm going to become one of them and I'm going to understand what it means to be human. I'm going to understand what it means to struggle and I'm going to show them all they'll have to do is just follow my footsteps. And so his first step was being baptized, and it's now an act of obedience. The second thing, the second thing that baptism is, it is the birth of a new person. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. If anyone is in Christ, the old you... The problematic you, the guy with all the issues you, the person that had the terrible attitude you, the person who was an awful sinner you, that person is gone. And what comes out of that water is a new creation, a new creature. We refer to it as being born again of the water. So that whole process changes a spiritual dynamic in our life that we cannot change on our own. Verse 18 says, all this is from God, and I love this piece right here, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. You can't do anything on your own to merit salvation. Just establish that right now. You will never be good enough. You will never be clean enough. You will never be smart enough. You will never be holy enough. You will never be able to merit the grace of God. And that is the beauty of what this is all about because through Christ, we are reconciled to God. So this act of baptism, when we're buried in that water and we come back up again, we don't, nothing changes in our world. We don't come up seeing things in a different color. We don't float out of the water and, you know, with a, with a heavenly glow about our face. None of that happens, but something spiritually happens. And when it does, God looks at us differently than he saw us before we went through that process. It's just water. It's water that's it's Baltimore City water. Like, it's not magic water. We just run it out of a hose into a tank. I mean, we don't even pray over the hose. <laughs> it's just water. <laughs> but it's symbolic of the old dying away, the broken, sinful man. The Bible teaches that every person's a sinner. It says we've all fallen short. We've all been sinners. We've all failed. We were born sinners. 
but God gave us an option. I like what Pastor Philip said. It's nice to know I had an option to show up today. Salvation is an option. You don't have to be a sinner anymore. You don't have to be doomed to destruction and death. You can have an abundant life, and it's an option. It is a choice that you and I get to make. God gave us the ability to choose, and we can choose to make the right choice and allow our life to be transformed because we couldn't always, uh, we didn't get to pick how we were raised. We didn't get to pick some of the things that happened in our life. We didn't make bad decisions. Everybody does, right? And sometimes we look back and think, man, if I was just, if I'd have known now what I, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have done those things, but they're already done. I can't really change it. Guess what? He can change it. And guess what baptism does? It changes it for us. There must be really good people in the audience today because nobody's worried about that. I was pretty happy about that. (laughs) I was pretty happy about a new option. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. That's that's it right there. Through faith. None of us in this room have physically seen God. But every one of us in this room that professes to be a Christian, that professes to be saved, has stepped through this moment right here when we said, you know what? I believe there is a God. I know that I am a sinner, and I know I can't save myself. So Jesus, would you save me? That's the moment. That's the moment when the game changes. That's the moment when everything turns. So in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. This is the million-dollar line. This is it. The act of faith, confessing that he is Lord, the act of going public and stepping into that water and the understanding of what the significance of baptism is, when we're buried with him, we put on a robe of Christ, of righteousness, of purity and holiness. And it goes on further to say, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are of Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Let me just explain those last couple of verses. You want to understand what true equality looks like? Not, not the kind of equality that the world and society tries to teach us. True equality is captured right here. When we are born again of water and spirit and we put on Christ, the Bible goes on to say that we're no longer male, female, white, black, uh, uh, Gentile, Jew, all of those things, the classes and race and, and, and uh, sexual uh, orientation, who you are, male, female, none of that stuff matters. We become children of God. There is this equal moment, this equal plateau that we stand upon when God looks at us as his children, and that is it. You don't have to worry about a label. You don't have to worry about a history. You don't have to worry about a pedigree. You don't have to worry about any of those things. When you're born again of water, you become one of God's children. That is it. We're the ones that label. We're the ones that determine and categorize and put people in boxes. God looks at us as his children. And I'm telling you, if you've ever been on the wrong side of that kind of thinking, this is a wonderful gift. 
It's a wonderful gift. This is what it really looks like. So if you were known as a person that hated, a person filled with anger, you're not known like that anymore. If you were a a racist and a bigot, you're not known like that anymore. If you were an addict or an abuser or a person that was abused, you're not identified by that anymore. If you were greedy or selfish or just hard-hearted or immoral or unfaithful, you're not identified by those things anymore. Because when you're born again, you're a new person. You're a new person. You have clothed yourself with Christ. Hebrews, it talks about how that Jesus is like our high priest or our advocate. He's the one that represents us. So in explaining this in Hebrews chapter 4, it talks about Jesus as being one that is able to empathize with our weaknesses, he is, he is one, it says, that has been tempted in every way, just like you and I are tempted. And the statement says, yet he did not sin. So we don't serve a God that is, that is without understanding of who we are and what we struggle with. The reason why God became flesh and lived among us was so that he could understand the human plight, if you will, so that he could understand the struggles that we face. We get to read uh, just snapshots of his life when he was tempted in the wilderness by Satan, when Jesus endured the pressure and he endured the mistreatment and he endured the people that lied about him and he endured all these things and suffered all these things just so that he would understand what it is for you and I to struggle with temptation, knowing that we are too weak to survive it on our own, knowing that we don't have the ability to, to say no to our vices. They own us, they control us, we're slaves to them. He understands that. And so when he represents us before God, this is beautiful. God sees you the way he sees Christ. Sinless. It's hard to wrap our mind around that. It's hard to understand that Because we process things in a very linear approach. We process things very much in a time structure. We can't forget the stupid mistakes we've made. We can't forget the gross sins that we've committed. We can't forget the the struggles that we have that we cannot seem to shake off. We can't forget the moments that we continue to fail no matter how much we wanted to do something better. Paul describes it great when he says... I wanted to do good, but every time I did good, evil was always there instead. I wanted to do the right thing, but nine times out of ten, I'd pick the wrong one. He understands, and he was writing from the perspective of where we all live. None of us live above sin. None of us us live above our next major failure and our next major mistake. We all struggle with emotions that drive us the wrong direction. We struggle with things that put us in the wrong position. We do things in compromising situations that cause our lives to be in disastrous tumult. But God gives us an option. The beauty is we don't have to see ourselves through those lenses anymore. We get to say, okay, God, I've repented of my sins. I've been washed in the water of baptism, and now help me see me the way you see me because you're looking at me with a robe of righteousness wrapped around me, and I'm no longer identified by all of those things that I was before. I don't know about you, but there's not another instance in our normal functioning life where we're given that kind of gift. We live in a world where you do the wrong, you pay for it. 
We live in a society that teaches if you break it, you got to fix it. We live in a world that relationships, if you're, if you're angry and you're, you don't forgive and you're hurtful with your words and your actions, there will be a breach in a relationship and it doesn't just heal itself, does it? It's hard for us to imagine and understand that when God looks at me, he does not see the video replay of my life the way I see it. He looks at my life and there's a moment where everything from that point back is a blank screen. God chooses to forget the sins we've committed when we take that act and step into the waters of baptism and we're buried in baptism. We come up as a new creature. That's amazing. That is amazing. It's hard for us to forgive ourselves sometimes. It's hard for us to overlook our weaknesses and our failures. It's hard for us to understand that God views us through a different lens when we become a new creature. And the third and final thing is this. Baptism is very much a public statement of your faith in Christ. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says this, and I love this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone that believes. There are no disclaimers here. There are no disqualifications here. I wish, I, I, was, I was thinking about this and praying about this actually before church this morning. I wish that we really, that, that this church community could really embody what it means to view people the way Christ views people. In other words, it doesn't matter what news you learn about this person or that person. It doesn't matter what terrible deed this person has done. It doesn't matter if there's a shameful sin that they've committed and now everybody knows about it. It doesn't matter if you walk in the doors and, and you know nothing about God, you know nothing about church, and you've had a hell of a life. None of that matters. I wish that we could view people the way God views people. I told someone one time, I said, you know what would be nice? It would be nice if I could, could blindfold myself and just be led into a church and just experience that church without seeing anything. And I wonder what my opinion or my thoughts or my feelings about that particular Sunday would be if I couldn't look around and see. You with me? It's why we believe that we're called to help people that have been wounded by religion. Because religion is so harsh and so hard that if you're a person that has failed and made a mistake and have just kind of royally messed up, church is not always the safe place. In fact, sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes it's the opposite. And I believe that we are called, this church community, Life Center, this church community is called to be the polar opposite of that. We are called to be a place of safe haven for whomever chooses to walk through the doors. 
No qualifications, no, no predetermined uh, checklist before you can be part of this group. No, I've got to be this kind of society. I've got to live in this county. I've got to know these people. I've got to do this sort of thing. None of that. I want this place to be a true place of hope for people who have no other place to go. That's what Jesus called us to be. And that's what we are designed for. And I pray that we all get that kind of attitude that I don't care how bad it is. Jesus doesn't care how bad it is. If he's willing to forgive, then who am I? If he's willing to let you go in the water and come up clean, then who am I? I mean, if we dunk you and the water turns black, who cares? Right? If you go in, the water's clear, you come up, it's black. We're just change the water and do it again. It's all good. Right? He doesn't care. Why do we care? We're here to help people that don't know Christ find him because he is and will always be the answer, no matter what the problem is. It is a public statement that says, you know what? I prayed a prayer. I confessed my sins. I believed in my heart. I confessed with my mouth. And now I want everybody in this room to know that I am a Christ follower. I am a new person. Don't worry about it. When you get out and dry off, everybody fully expects you to mess up the next day. We're people. But God looks at us differently when we've gone through this process. There's one thing that, that we say here a lot, and it's this, and I, I believe it, it really sums it up. Jesus will take you just as you are. And I mean that. But the second part of that is, but he promises not to leave you there. Some people may take that philosophy that says he'll accept me just as I am and choose to live a life however they want to live it. And they may stay where they are, but that is not God's promise. God's promise is abundant life. And so you may come here broken, damaged, wishing your life was somebody else's. When you find Christ, he's accepting you as you are. But when you come up out of that water, he's like, I have a plan for you. I have a path for you, and I will walk with you. You will fall. You will stumble. You will struggle. But I will be there with you because I have created you to be more than an overcomer. I've created you to overcome those things that used to own you. They don't own you anymore. You're free. You're not a slave. You're, you're bound to me because you're now my child. Come on, somebody. You're acting like you're tired or something. This is good. This is good. This is it. This is the gospel. This is why we're here. This is what we believe. This is what separates us from a life of addiction and pain and suffering. It's this. It's Jesus. It will always be Jesus. And he is always and always will be the answer. There's no such thing as a secret Christian. You know that? There's no such thing. You can be a secret whatever, but you cannot be a secret Christian. You can... well, there's a lot of funny things I could say there. Because there's lots of people that are secret, uh, all kinds of things. You ever meet those people, you're like, really, they do that? That's their hobby? I would have never picked it. I met a guy, uh, works one of my customers, and he's a, he's a big dude. I mean, like, this guy's huge. I mean, you know, all the normal things I would think he does. He probably loves football. He probably loves breaking things, picking things up and putting them down. <laughs> the guy loves to cook. He's a baker. That's his hobby. Amazing. I would have never picked it, right? He's a secret baker. (laughs) 
You can't be a secret Christian. Once you find Christ, don't be ashamed of going public with your statement of faith. Don't be ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power that brings salvation to anyone who believes. So basically, I become the fan. We did a series a few years ago called Not a Fan. And we started talking about the whole idea of, of not just being someone that waved the flag, but someone that was in the game. When you're a Christian, you're in the game. You don't just wear the jersey because you like the team. You are the team. You wear the jersey because your name's on the back. You're in the team. You're in the game. Right? So you can't be, you know, when I first moved back to Maryland, it'd been, I'd been gone a long time. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced that somehow in the economy of, of, of this area, the Baltimore area, that if you don't own something that's purple, after a certain period of time, you get a letter in the mail and they evict you from the state. Like you can't live in Maryland anymore. Like, they have some way of tracking this. One Sunday, my wife and I were traveling. Uh, I think it was down uh, Bel Air Road. We started counting cars of people that were wearing jersey gear inside the car. I'm telling you, it was 99%. I don't think the only car maybe we saw was probably from out of state. Like, everybody was sporting their colors because they're identifying with their community. There's no such thing as a secret Christian. That's why we have nice merchandise for you. So you can wear, you can have the coffee mug. You can wear, we're making it easy. You can wear the shirt. They're on sale in the foyer. We're making it easy for you. There's no such thing as a secret Christian. When you're baptized, you let the world know, I am a new person today. Don't worry about the people that say, yeah, give them a week. Don't worry about those people. Don't worry about the guy that has like, you walk into his, his office and he's got a calendar and he's got these red slashes. What are those red slashes for? I'm counting how many days you're going to last. Don't worry about those people. There's always going to be people that are naysayers or haters saying you're going to fail. Listen, when you go public with your faith, it changes everything. You link arms with a community that believes in a God that can do anything. I don't know if you made the connection, maybe you don't know the story, but Megan was up here singing that solo today, singing about healing, a God that heals. This is a, this is a young lady who just got her scan, who's cancer-free. You guys know the stories of things that happen here, of people's, people's lives that have been transformed, just completely turned around, just because... They, they took a chance, right? They took a chance on, okay, fine. I, I've done it this way for a long time, and I'm clearly not doing a good job at it, so let's try something different. If you want to try Jesus out, go ahead. I can assure you, you will not be disappointed. He has no problem with you approaching him with a heart of, I don't know if this is going to work. He's okay with that. He's okay with you saying, well, I, I've heard a lot of bad things about you. And he's okay with that. He can handle it. Just do this for me. Disconnect church from Jesus in your mind. It doesn't matter if you've heard a lot of bad things about pastors and church. Forget about all that. Just find Jesus. He'll fix it for you. He'll let you know that people are people. But he will redeem you through your stuff. So when you go public with your faith, you're letting the world know, you know what? I'm putting my confidence where my confidence should have been a long time ago. It's now anchored in something that's bigger than I am. 
When you're, let, when you're baptized, when you go public with your faith, you're letting your sinful nature know that you're not in charge anymore. That you now answer to a higher power that gives you the ability to overcome what used to control you. When you go public with your faith, the Bible teaches that when a sinner is saved, that heaven rejoices. And I'm pretty sure that when we have our tank set up in the middle of this room and we dunk people, I'm pretty sure heaven's just going off the charts. They're just going ape. Because people are getting redeemed. They're getting washed. They're clean. No sin. No disgrace. No shame. How many of you would like the opportunity to literally be born again? Like physically start all over? <laughs> the opportunity to, to avoid all those mistakes and failures and issues. Making the choices differently. That's what this is. The first time that a person, a human, encountered Jesus and Jesus said, the only way that you can be saved is if you're born again. The first person that heard that was a man named Nicodemus. He was a religious man. And he came to Jesus at night so that all of his religious buddies didn't know he was talking to Jesus because Jesus was not the guy to talk to if you're religious. And so he snuck in and had his little disguise on, found Jesus and said, hey, I need to understand this. And Jesus like, the only way you're going to experience new life is if you're born again. And this guy literally asked the question, how can I, biology class, chemistry class, all those things, he's running through his head. How can I go back into my mother's womb and then be born again? And Jesus like, no, 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 no. That's just kind of a metaphor. It's a description. You have to be born of water and spirit. You have to confess your sins. You have to confess that he is Lord of all. Repent of those sins. And then when you're born of water, when you're baptized, you're born again. It's, it's you starting all, you're starting all over at 12, 22, 35, 46, 92, whatever the age is, it does, that's day one for you. When Christ looks at you, he sees brand new. One of the things we do here is when, when you're baptized, when you get into the tank, I just love this part. My wife usually reads these uh, sort of a testimonial of how you got here, there's anybody that impacted your life, and and one of the this this one I'm about to read. I'm just gonna read a couple to you. One one that I'm about to read is from one of our young guys who who's in Livewire every Sunday. It's a young guy who started talking to his mom about baptism and realized that he started to understand what it meant, what it was about. And so, in his words, he says, "I want Jesus to wash all my sins away." And I want him to live in my heart forever. It doesn't get any more plain than that. I mean, that's just it. He, he gets it. He got it. He got it. Another person wrote this. I was baptized as a child and had a great relationship with God. As I got older, I made decisions that turned me away from him. Those decisions brought me to my knees in desperation where I found God again. I want to re commit myself and my life to the one who carried me when I didn't deserve it. This 
is why we are here. This is why. I tell you all the time, we are not a complicated church. It's easy to know what we do. It's easy to know what we're about. We're not complex. We believe the gospel is simple. We believe the gospel is easy. We believe the gospel is for every person. One person wrote, I was raised in faith and always believed in God, but my chronic illness led me to question God's plan for me. And I started talking to my boyfriend, who's from LC, helped me realize that the illness is part of God's amazing plan for me. I now have more hope and faith than ever. I want to be baptized to represent my new beginning and amazing relationship with my Savior. Game changer. Not the Savior, not a Savior, my Savior. That's the moment. That is the moment. That is what it's all about. Our volunteers, I'm always giving them props. The guys working upstairs with our kids. One of the fruit of their labor, I read to you first. Investing in kids. Starting to understand that even as a young child, I understand right and wrong. I understand that that. I need a savior. I understand that I want my heart clean. We're created, a songwriter said we're created with a God-sized hole in our heart. Right? In other words, every one of us, every person you pass, every person you work with, every person you see driving in a car beside you or sitting at the red light next to you, every person has a place in them that is meant to connect with their creator. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Next Sunday, bring somebody with you. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing.